Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. It is an extra special episode today. This is episode number 400. And as such, I don't, I didn't choose one of my co-hosts, but instead I will be joined occasionally on mic by Alex Ward, who gets his, our producer of Sounds Like Pictures, who gets his own mic because sharing last wow. week or the week before was a little awkward. So, so hello, Alex. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good. So, so you're in the industry, you're in the biz, you're in the podcast biz. I'm in the biz. Yeah. Showbiz, baby. I, how big of a deal is to get to 400? Uh, there's very few shows I can think of, at least like weekly shows like this that have, have gotten this far. I mean, like, uh, like off the top of my head, when I think about even the, even the really big shows, you know, like what this American life celebrated 500 episodes a couple years ago. Uh, I completely, it's so funny you mentioned that because when I keep thinking about our number 400, I'm like, Oh, I remember when This American Life got to 500. I thought, what a massive number. Yeah, it's huge. Yes. And, but but just like sort of set the bar, like a show that big that's been, they started in 1995. Oh, wow. Uh, and Versus us, 2011. Versus us, 2011. I mean, of course, they take breaks, they do repeats, and they have a massive journalistic staff that spends months working on stories. <laughs> and while and they're we also, don't. While they also launched S-Town and Serial, the most yes. popular podcasts ever. Um <laughs> We launched AMR trains and yes. AMR answers, so take that. But uh, no, I think it's a huge accomplishment to get to 400. I mean, so many. So I, I work with a lot of different clients. People come to me for questions. I've worked on shows that have last as long as yours. I worked on shows that last a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I see a lot is people people stick with it for a while, and eventually, either they burn out, their life changes, something happens, and you know, maybe even getting to 100 is a big deal for people. But mm. 400, well done. Oh, thank Huge you. Huge round of applause to you guys. Yeah, thank you. And and I really think we owe so much of it to the listener. Because if there weren't people 100%. listening, we won't be doing it. Oh, yeah. And no. just it, it never grows old to have people come up and tell us how much it means to them. Mm-hmm. They write on our Facebook page, you know, that we accompany them on their long runs. We're their best running friend, even though we've never met them. So I just love knowing that, hearing that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I also like I, I produce some other types of audio. So I'm, I do a lot of writing stories, reporting, researching. But coming here and producing this show, it's I don't really work on any other shows like it. Um, hmm. And but but over the past years, it's just been so fun. And I love just being a part of the community, even though I'm, I'm not a mother. I'm not a runner. I have almost nothing in common with your <laughs> listeners. Um, but I have podcasts that are that important to me in my life. And I know that this show is that for a lot of people. And Aww. to be a part of that's super cool. And I just I love to even just have a have a foot in the door here and like be able to produce the show that a lot of people love. So Oh cool. awesome. Well, we are indebted to your hard work for us, Alex. And and you you're mostly def- hard work. Sometimes yeah. I miss edits here and there, but <laughs> I think I've cleaned it up. Gone, I mean, over the time I've gone from like early mid twenties to like in my thirties now. So I know, you know I know that's crazy. the thing. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, so as we've done when we hit 100, 200, 300, we, uh, Put to pull together clips, our some of our favorite clips from the past shows, uh, from episode three hundred two. Because for three hundred, we had three hundred three hundred one were best of. 
So from 302, so I did try to make note of, oh, we need to include that scene. And then I had to find that document. And then there were only about three scenes on it. It's the best intentions. Uh, That's tough. But, but as you'll see with some of the guests, it was a layup. I mean, we had our biggest guests ever from in this past 100, past 98. You know, Shalane, big hitters, yeah. Yeah, Shalane Flanagan, Dina Castor, Meb Kofleski, Kara Goucher, you know, um, so was and Peter then Sagal in this last batch of 100. He no, he was in the previous, okay. previous, yeah, yeah. So, so mixing them in with just kind of the smaller, quieter moments, um, and sometimes also it is a host who um, makes the the um, cut. Uh, in particular, there's the the layup one for me was the what Molly. Do you, what do you? Yeah, what like what do you look for? What makes what makes an all time clip an AMR clip? Do you think? Because oh. Uh, for me, it just seems like the grosser, more oh, more specific uh, about bowel movements is oh, or, guaranteed yeah. a spot. Oh, for sure. And one that makes me laugh my head off. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. the all-time one was when Bethany, who uh, trained, shared her training for the Boston Marathon with us and then recounted the race itself. And when she told us that she birthed a tampon in the porta potty before the start of the race. That oh, is, that's right. I remember that. Yes. So that is the all-time one. So, but... The, the one with Molly in this is my a very close second to that. So and also has to do with that region of the body. So. We, we should we should start <laughs> recording in the evenings with Molly and a bottle of wine. because It would be a completely different show. And I think people would really dig it. Or just like a show about bodies with Sarah and Molly. <laughs> oh, goodness. Wow. 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 I do. Have, yeah. With, uh, Mo- body talk. Yeah. Body talk. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We'll have Robin another come mommy, on and she another can. Another mommy body. <laughs> she can say Robin can sing the. Uh, the theme song for us. Um, so, all right. Well, let's jump into the clips of this show. This comes from episode 326 with Shalane Flanagan. And this was perhaps the most exciting ever recording because the background on this is that Shalane's people contacted, reached out to us and said that Shalane wanted to do an interview with us and wanted to be on the show. And I mean, wow, total thrill. And that she wanted us to go to her house. She lives over on the other side of Portland. And that she wanted us to come over to her house to do it. And you happen to be out of town, Alex, which is a bummer. So had our previous producer, Jonah, pitch hit. And so I had Ellison join me. And we drove over there in the minivan. And um, so that was really exciting. And then so for this clip, I just love it because she thanked me for a geeky question. I felt like I really bonded with her over that. And I had been incredibly nervous going over there. So to have that moment with her really eased a lot of my anxiety and pretty much made my month. And so this is how she recounts how she prepared for that final 10K of the New York City Marathon that she won. Okay, so talking about the New York course, so let's get into the weeds for a bit with some astonishing, hella impressive stats laid out on your Wikipedia page. (laughs) Um, So at New York last year, your average pace from 35 kilometers to the finish line, which over the course averages a slight uphill, was 311.4 per kilometer, which is faster than the women's only marathon world record pace of 314.8 kilometers. So how did you achieve that incredibly strong finish and what was going through your mind as you were doing it? That's really nice that you like looked that up because I love geeky stats like that. I like really appreciate that because um, 
That's like one of the fastest closes in history of American women's yeah. marathoning. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm really proud of that body of work and not yeah. many people besides like really geeky people like would know that and look that up. So I really appreciate that, <laughs> that you looked that up. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess it goes back to like my track background and I visualized that moment and what it was going to take. And my coach said like, you've got to be able to run, you know, in terms of mile pace, like five oh something five oh eights five oh fives like you need to just throw it down because you're running against mary katani who is the world record holder in the women's only marathon right now with a 217 so you got to close hard and fast like when you go and so you know i prepared here in portland out on savi island visualizing mm-hmm. running yeah. against the best in the world coming from kenya to race and so what i did in that last like 10k and to achieve those splits obviously was a lot of training and a body of work over a lifetime but you know when I was in New York City I was visualizing my training here in Mm. Portland on Savi and thinking like okay it's just like practice I'm gonna throw down you know five minute miles and that's what it's gonna take and thankfully it did pan out but yeah it was like I was running scared because I knew that that's what it was gonna have Mm -hmm. to take to be Mm -hmm. a Mary Katani Mm -hmm. and were you by yourself out there on Savi or did you bring some of your teammates out there no my coach is usually on the bike um yeah yeah, I I knew you weren't literally by yeah yeah Um, and then sometimes my teammates like Amy Craig, who lives here, she would come out to a few of my workouts, um, and cheer me on. And then, um, her husband sometimes would actually come out and run with me and pace me for little chunks of the workout. Sometimes he couldn't hang. It was too fast. (laughs) So, but, um, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) um, he's only like a three time Olympian or something like that, but (laughs) he's very kind to help us. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, and just had to have another snippet from that interview because it was so dang epic. Um, couldn't let the opportunity go by without asking her about her speedy porta potty break during the 2018 Boston Marathon where it was raining torrentially. And I just adore Ellison, co-host Ellison, interjecting with her drawl. We spent more time talking about it than you did doing it. Here's that. Okay, so, um, so as... Ellison said, we love BRFs, but another thing we love around another mother runner parts are TMI topics. So I would be sorely remiss if I didn't ask about the bathroom break at Boston this year. And I mean, come on, you even set speed records with when you use a porta potty uh, under 14 seconds. Um, how do you get the job done? First, yeah. I want to know who was timing that. Some, some guy on, um, I don't know where I saw this. This was, I don't Oh, I guess I clicked on something. And some guy on Twitter, I guess, was following the live feed and he timed it. So it was 13.86 in case you don't it's know that. Impressive. It is That's pretty impressive. It is very impressive good. woman because, yeah. okay, so Ian and I were talking about outside and I'm just going to just say it out loud. Yeah. We think you just pulled your shorts to the side. Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah. thank you. Yeah, good. that you didn't yeah. pull them because. I didn't pull yeah. them down. Yeah, because, <laughs> pull, I mean, you, your hands must have been cold. Yes. Your, your you know. You know, bun, your bun huggers were yeah. wet because yeah. it was raining. So it would have taken you longer just to peel it down and peel it back totally, up. Totally, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, you okay. nailed it. Okay, all right, okay. Yeah, so we but, spent but more then... time talking about <laughs> yeah. it than you spent doing <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but so did you just think yeah. about just peeing on the fly? I did, but I have never been able to do that, unfortunately. Oh. Like, I, I know that people, like... You would think I would be able to, but I, I just couldn't. Okay, because because I'm known for peeing on the fly. Because you, yeah. you know, I can't. Uh, I, yeah, you know, I, can't. Oh. Um, I can't. So I, um, uh, you got to practice it. And okay. so, yeah, and look at, you're what, looking at me. The yeah. look on your face is like, um, no, you can tell me all this, and I'm not <laughs> going to. But I knew that to, the first time I was trying to qualify for Boston, I knew a uh, bathroom stop had kept me from 
qualifying for Boston. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And so when the national anthem was being sung at, uh, here at 2010 <laughs> Portland and it was pouring rain, I forced yeah. myself to pee because it's hard as an adult to pee while you're wearing clothes. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, cause it's, it's hardwired, you know? <laughs> yes. And so then it's mile 17 when I had to, I just, you just know, did. peed in my caprice. Yeah. Yeah. And my running partner who I believe is faster than I am. She stopped the porta potty and she did, she missed qualifying. Okay. Well, this is a future question for you that you should ask if you have Kara on, she oh. has some stories about like teaching herself to pee herself. So oh, good. Okay. Well, you're going to heads up awesome because, because she's, she's, she's good at it. <laughs> and when we trained together, like she could do it. And I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Well, so. I know that Kara has said she has uh, mad props for people. So Allison's drawl is, is just a star of the show. <laughs> it is. It is. I just adore her voice. Um, so this comes from episode 394, a recent episode, how to love running on a treadmill. So from TMI with an elite runner to one uh, TMI moment that we knew the moment she uttered it. I even said, oh, that's going to be on the best stuff show. This is from a regular mother runner. Nearly made me choke with laughter. And so the guest is uh, Brooke Brink, one of four moms who talked about why they love running on a treadmill. My co-host for this one is Maggie Palmer. And it is um, Brooke telling us about um, how she keeps dates, dried fruit in her bra, and what happens when it lands on the gym floor behind her. What's <laughs> funny is like these clips, it's also the times when I look up from my computer and it's like every one of these is like, oh, I totally remember that right. one. Yes, I remember the dates. Yes. Uh, yep, yep. Eye contact. Okay. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Like a couple of funny things that happened. The one girl that I met Eve at the gym to take my photo, we always uh-huh. laugh because one time I keep like dates in my sports bra, uh, plenty of room in there to keep snacks. So, um, I, actual, then, we need to say actual dates as yeah, in the dates. fruit that they eat in yes. Turkey. Yes. Fruit, okay. Yes, very good. Okay. Uh-huh. So I yeah. keep them in there in case I get hungry. Um, because it's the morning and more normal people would be having breakfast. And then they're like salted a little yeah. bit. Oh yeah. So. Salted dates. So totally good. So anyway, I'm running along and I like go to pop one in my mouth and I drop it and it flings backwards and it's on the floor and it doesn't look like a date when it's on the floor it looks like oh, you know something else a so turd, like, yes. right, like a, a turd on the floor so you know and I'm like turning around trying to see it and then I'm almost falling off because I'm turning around and I'm like well it's just gonna stay there until I'm done and you saw like people walking by like what in that what is that <laughs> so yeah be careful with your snacks like is it worse to say I didn't poop on the floor or oh it's just the dates I keep in my sports bra I'm pretty sure the second one is worse. <laughs> Either one is like, that's not mine. I don't know. I know. I don't know. It's, it's bad enough you see me digging around in there and pulling snacks out and putting them in my mouth. <laughs> see, that's what keeps me entertained on the treadmill is people like you. <laughs> You're welcome. I see you out of the corner of my eye and I'm like, what in the... <laughs> did she just pull that out of her boobs? <laughs> yep. Oh my God. Yes, she did. Oh, Brooke. Brooke, I am sorry that we are not going to get to hang out in Missoula because... I think we would have had a good time. We would have fun. Um, yes, I think so. This next one comes from episode 368. As I mentioned, Meb Kofleski was a guest. He was our, um, for our, we try to have a special Father's Day edition of the episode. So he was our guest on that one. And um, it was just amazing to, I had to ask him about winning boss in 2014, you know, after it was the year after the bombing, the tragic bombings. And he talks about how the weight of the nation was on his back and the chance of USA. And, um, uh, so I do have to tell a story that, uh, so again, I was nervous before this one. Uh, I don't know why these people are just, you know, they are humans, but somehow I just get all worked up. 
And so I was really nervous to talk to Meb. And because I'd seen Meb at, at expos, but never had the courage to go up and talk to him. And so, but mere hours before we record this, his agent contacts us and says, uh, Meb and I don't know how to use Zoom, which is, as you know, Alex, how we record our podcast. And he said, so I'm forgetting that gentleman's name. Maybe it was John and John's, well, let's call him John. And so John is in New York. And so I called up John, walked John through how to install Zoom and I, and how to use it. And I could tell that John was not going to be able to walk Meb through it. So without him even, you know, like hemming and hawing, I said, do you want me to call Meb and, and help Meb get onto Zoom? And he's like, yeah, could you? I'm like, certainly I could help an Olympian with something. No problem. So, so I got to call Meb and, you know, then that made him all the more human that, oh, look, he's a, he's just a guy who doesn't know how to work some tech feature. So that, that dissolved my nerves. That was good. So my co-host on this episode is Amanda Loudon. Yeah, now that was a magical moment. I know to think back of that day, you know, there was a greater purpose than myself uh, for the city of Boston, for the running community, community internationally and nationally. You know, we all have, you know, I, I title it, so we all have our day when everything clicks. If you recognize when it's happening, you can produce something that's bigger than yourself. And for me, I remember a mouse five, the Kenyans, the Ethiopians were trying to slow it down. I said, you know, I came with three goals in mind to win top three or run a personal best. And if I'm going to do that, I need to push as hard as they can. And they let me go. They kind of made, I think they made a mistake. I'm, I'm telling them, I can't believe they're making the, this is the biggest mistake they make in their life. You know, they, don't they know that I won the year? They didn't know I have a silver medal. I can't believe them. But I said, as I kept pushing and pushing, I said, well, if they're going to catch me, I'm going to make them earn it. <laughs> I just kept pushing and pushing and, not that Boston is point to point course, not that I didn't know how far I was ahead, but I kept pushing. And, you know, that about mile 15 or 60, mile 16 at the Boston Marathon, before you make the right hand turn, that 520 mile that I, my God given town that I talked about earlier, was 431 and 10 miles to go. But when the weight of the nation's on your back and you, you know, people are chanting USA, USA, People are doing waves. You get emotional. You start, start chatting. You fist in my pump. I'm like, you, S, A, U. I'm mm. like, concentrate on the race. Concentrate on the race. You know? <laughs> but, then you see, but then you see people just doing the waves about Boston College. And just people know what they feel. U, S, A, U, S, A. And it was a thrill of a lifetime. But you think you get emotional. But at the same time, you're like, oh, my goodness. I, 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 I got to hold on to this. I got to hold on to this. And it got close and close. But, you know, people tell me where they were every day how they cheer for me whether it was at the computers or they were at the stands or they were um, at mile five or mile ten when I was racing they heard that I won and it was just amazing and I felt blessed that God gave me the glory to be able to carry the victim's name on my bib uh, technically you're not supposed to do that but it went viral once I wrote the four victims name and I draw the inspiration for them every time I look down on my thighs or looking down, I think you're doing it for them. You're doing it for them. Just keep pushing and you put your body through a lot, but the sound coming to, you know, common Commonwealth or uh, Hereford or Boston street is just a dream come true to be able to chant USA, USA. It's not over till, until the tape touches your chest, but you know, you are hopeful and obviously I, those tape could not come fast enough, but in the last <laughs> 200 meter, I'm like, I'm loving this one. Keep going, keep going. But I was just thankful, looking to the heavens and say, God, thank you for giving me this opportunity. And 
for allowing me to be the first one across the finish line. It was my dream to win the Boston Marathon, to do it on that day on April 21st, 2014, mm-hmm. after the year after bombing. Uh, you have to pinch me how it all came together for me. Okay, please stay with us while we hear from supporters of this podcast because it really bears saying that we would not be able to bring you 400 episodes and hopefully many more without having supporters. Okay, uh, I got a little pattern going here because we're going back to TMI. <laughs> this is this is the best, the best. This was the, of course, we're going to include this. This comes from episode 322. We were talking about TMI topics with a former Runner's World editor. And Molly Williams kept it very, very real with, <laughs> with Megan Keita, um, who is the author of How to Make Yourself Poop and 99 Other Tips All Runners Should Know. And so, so Molly, so uh, as a little bit of background, I write up notes for the show and, but I always encourage co-hosts to, if a question comes to them to please ask it because, you know, I bring in people of different, um, experiences and skill sets and all that stuff. So I want them to bring themselves to the show and, and interject. So Molly really went off on a tangent asking about men and how they contain their, um, shall we say Franken beans while running uh, that was from There's Something About Mary. <laughs> and then next thing you know, Molly is making a very candid admission about her own body. Uh, I did truly almost fall off my chair laughing. Could not look you, Alex, in the face afterward. Nope. Then, then Molly has no shame. She she repeats it up in the kitchen as, as you're leaving. I'm like, really? Because I was just going to leave that down in the basement. And she doubled down. <laughs> she sure did. <laughs> Okay. I think that I think runners who wear tiny shorts just wear the tiny shorts and they rely on like the built-in underwear thingies to hold them up. So. And if you had had more of a hot dog than somebody else, then might that be an issue? Do they come in different sizes or does everything work? Wait, the shorts, do they come in different sizes or the hot dog? Well, well I know the hot dogs supposedly come in different sizes, but do the shorts come in di- like hot dog sizes? Or is it all just one size? Like, I mean, if you get a... If you is, get a pair of extra large shorts, they would have they a would larger have more, brief... But what if you were a small oh, person, well, if you're skinny, but, but with you a big had a dong? big hot dog, then do you get a different size short? No. All, all the same. Just compression shorts. Okay. Oh my gosh, this is so funny. nobody tells me these things. <laughs> I'm just saying it's so funny because one of the women on the I can wrap this circle this back to women because one of the women on the Ragnar team we were talking about cute running shorts and she was like, oh, I can't wear that brand because I have a a long crotch. No, no, no she's a, no something what? else. And I was like, I was like, no, that's what she said. She, she had a long a... crotch. And I'm like, excuse me. And what she meant was she had a long rise, like a long rise. Yeah, oh, and not so like the, a big uh, vulva. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Because I think I have a big vulva. I think that's an issue. <laughs> I do. I Make do. her stop. Just wow. towed her out of the studio. <laughs> I am learning so much about both of you. <laughs> because you wear those tights and they don't come in sizes for your vulva. And what you... <laughs> I've got skinny legs. <laughs> All right. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't We're in both. the book. It wasn't in the book. <laughs> you need to address that. You need a sequel. Oh. Okay. I, I need to make an addendum for the next printing. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. We need to regain our composure here. <laughs> so from an episode just a few after that, uh, 
is episode 325. We were talking with Olympic marathon medalist and author Dina Castor. And this is Dina detailing how she struggled to find balance after the birth of her daughter and running in the Olympic marathon trials a mere six months later. And I love how she realizes that it all comes down to being 100% focused in the hat I was wearing at that moment. And uh, we, Dimity and I have just loved Dina since we actually got to see her um, and spend some time with her in Mammoth Lakes in March, February, March of 2010. So we've just adored her ever since. And my co-host on this one is Tish Hamilton. Um, so, Dino, um, we we're talking about your family here, and I'm really curious, so we we'll get on to the topic of running, about how um, your running life changed once you became a mother runner. Yeah, you know, it was it was so challenging. And I in in my plan when I when I ran right after having Piper, maybe two weeks after having her and I first got in that little jog that made my whole body tingle with joy. I said, Oh, yeah, I, I still got this. I still this is still really important to me. It still feels really good, despite being severely out of shape. And so I got back into it. And, um, and you know, it was maybe 20 minutes one day, the time by the time I finally had a, a watch on and saw the pace that I was running, it was mortifying to even like, um, to, to consider myself a professional at that point. Um, <laughs> But I, but I kept going, and finally, my coach at the time, Terrence Mahan, said, "You know, the Olympic trials are right around the corner. You should, you should give it a shot." And, and I thought, "Yeah, I'm going to do this." And plenty of people do this. They're moms, they're businesswomen, and they, and they, and they raise families. So I started doing it, and it, it, I felt so, um, I think, challenged by the the separation of focus that my whole life had been so focused on profession. And even with my husband being so supportive, we were all in this together. And to have, to, to want to be a gold medal mom and also a gold medal runner, um, I found a really hard time um, balancing that. And, um, and I remember days leaving the house with Piper crying to get to practice. And I'd get in practice really fast. And while the rest of my team stretched and chit chatted and went to the gym, I just buzzed home to feed Piper. And sometimes I got in second runs and sometimes I didn't because we were playing or she was sleeping in my arms. And um, so it was, I was, I was loving the fact that I had both things in my life, but I had a really hard time with the drive to be good at both of them. Mm-hmm. Knowing that what it took to be good before was a narrow focus on one thing. And, and I remember after the Olympic trials thinking, um, I got sixth place and the top three go, but I remember when the, when they, um, when the break was made in the race, I didn't, I don't know if it wasn't the determination or the fitness to go with anybody. I just thought like, Mm. you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm fighting for. What, why is this important to me right now? I had all these, um, these reasons to throw in the towel during the, the time of the race that I should have been dropping the hammer. And I crossed the finish line thinking that I failed as, as an athlete and as a mom. And it was so discouraging. I remember that, mm. that weight feeling so heavy. Like, how do I do this? Like I, I, I just spent the past six months um, focusing on this and, and I failed at everything. And it was such a hard 
burden to, to take, but we went on a camping trip up the coast of California and I knew I'd figure it out eventually, but I just thought, you know, I'm not trying to reinvent something here. So many people do this successfully. So I just decided to set priorities, which is what everybody tells you to do. <laughs> and that family and health would come first and, and running and my job would come second. And sometimes those lines blur. They actually most often blur because sometimes going out for a run makes me better at being a mom or better providing for my family. So it just gave me the justification to, to make the choices I wanted to in the time, I guess. But, mm -hmm. but really being 100% focused on what I was doing with the hat I was wearing in that moment. And that's what it came to, to me, that it wasn't 100% focus all the time on something that when I was home with Piper, I was just in it. We were having fun, staging little photo shoots, going for a walk, going on a scavenger hunt, just doing fun things together. And when it was time to put on those running shoes, I really took advantage of that time in them, that it was going to be a very quality couple of hours in my running shoes, because I knew once I got home, I had to, I had to be back at being a, a wife and a, and a mom. And, um, and that, that seemed to work. And I also, at this point, I think, my gosh, how lucky am I to have my calendar packed with things that I really enjoy to do. The fact that I could just camp with my family, but come down for our youth track practice and be on the track with my teammates yesterday and to come down for, um, for this phone call so that we can, so that we can chat this afternoon about all things moms and running that it just feels like a privilege to, to be able to fill my days with things that I enjoy so much. So this one comes from episode 309 tips for traveling to away running races and this guest is Sandy Borgman, who is a mother runner in the suburbs of Chicago, who at um, one point, I'm, gosh, probably in 2011 uh, or 12, probably 2012, she hosted a house party for us. And oh, such a beautiful house. And Sandy had been on the show before um, uh, because uh, Sandy has um, MS and she was talking about how she runs with that. And then, but I, and also how she was uh, gunning to run the world majors. I'm not world major marathons. I'm not saying the name of that, right. But it's running, um, I think it's seven marathons around the world. And, um, so, but so I thought, oh, she'd be the perfect person to talk about how to do in a away race. So this is where Sandy shares an anecdote of what not to do in an away race with some painful stories from the Paris marathon. And once again, my host on this was Molly. Okay. Well, so you guys share at least one funny story with us then. This is probably going to leave me scarred for life. We, um, <laughs> at mile 18, so traveling internationally, I had forgotten to bring Glide. Okay. And at mile 18, it was just, I mean, horrible bleeding, chafing. It was awful. And I see a medical tent and what appeared to be a man holding Vaseline. So I. Oh, gosh pull over and I just grab it and wipe it. Well, it was icy hot type. No. Oh, no. Oh, oh, I didn't see that coming. Oh my gosh. I thought it was like foie gras or something. Either. Well, you, you picked up your stuff, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Tears literally shot straight out of my eyes. Oh. <laughs> Did they have so, the, anything for you there? Oh my uh, gosh, a leather uh, strap to bite on? My gosh. Oh. I just rinsed with water and, you know, but it, it, that's one of the lessons in international races. You know, you just think when you're running in the U.S., the people, they're holding out Vaseline. Right. You know, 
Oh my we gosh. become accustomed and just the way you fuel is different. You know, there's no goo on the course or mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. it's not Gatorade. It's a different kind of drink and that can really mess with your stomach. Mm-hmm. It's Burgundy or Bordeaux or something like that. <laughs> Actually, the last, I think the last 5K, I was having a hard time finding water, but wow. they were handing out a lot of wine in Paris. For real? Seriously. For real. They, For real. And they like, really drink wine during a race? It was easier to get a, a selection of red or white wine than it was to get water. <laughs> during the race or after the race? During. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, my gosh. I love those French people. My gosh. <laughs> wow. Alex, I need to bring you in. You're just, I, I feel bad I'm not including you in the conversation. Uh, you know, I, I, there's not much for me to say. Uh, I'm doing what I usually do where you have these conversations, which is sit here on my computer <laughs> yes. recording it. So Sometimes you place orders on Amazon. Sometimes, yeah, sending emails. Although the thing is, like, I realize when I, sometimes when I'm typing too much, it shows up in your microphone. Mm. So, like, even emails I got to be ginger with and, like, type very slowly and try to be quiet. And very, be very brief in your responses. Yeah, we've never gotten to like a pro studio for the show so you know mm-hmm. we're here in your basement so like <laughs> yeah. the sound does echo and yes. obviously that you know sound quality is it, it is what it is here but i think that's the charm of the show yes yes and we you are to. always pushing us to get better sound quality which i very much appreciate we don't want to get too good yeah want to be good enough you want to be good enough that's that's what we're all about here. yeah yeah so this is episode 330 find your athletic happy place And so the guest is Dr. Justin Ross, who's the sports psychologist who works with us in the Train Like a Mother Club. And uh, my co-host is Amanda Loudon on this. And Justin is talking about a notion that I ponder a lot, which is a happy place. And um, Dr. Ross, or J. Rowe, as we sometimes call him, he, he dissects what that can mean. And I, in listening back to this episode, realized I misunderstood him. I thought he said adult things suck and no he said adulting sucks Mm -hmm. so (laughs) so and i have to say this topic really seemed to resonate with people it's one of our most popular in our last 100 oh yeah yeah which made me really happy because the idea of a happy place and having a happy place is something that resonates incredibly strongly with me alex do you have a athletic happy place or a happy place in general i have a lot of a lot of them. Well, I mean, this is this was first covered in Happy Gilmore. Uh, oh. The old Adam Sandler movie, okay. of course, I, The Happy Place. I, I have not watched it. No? I'm not an Adam Sandler fan. Okay. I, I'm not a... Well, you know what? I I do like Adam Sandler. Anyway, Mm-mm. they cover... He's uh, golfing and he has yes. to go to his happy place to, mm. to be able to putt well. Gotcha. That's his big mm-hmm. issue. Anyway, so that... Was when I was very young and saw that movie, and then I was like, "Oh, what? What is that?" For oh, me? I taught you you had to have a happy how to place. have a happy place. So I have several, but I like to just actually go to them in person for real. Yeah, well, yes, yeah, rather so, than just conjuring them mm-hmm. in your mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Oswald State Park, aka Short Sands, oh, on the Oregon coast. That beach, it is. It's like go, going surfing there on a nice day. That's that's as good as it gets. And like I could just sit at that beach in my head, like forever. There's a waterfall on that beach that goes straight into the ocean. Oh, it's, it's just incredible. Well, and also the walk into Oswald West State Beautiful. Park is it 
honestly, you expect to see fairies yeah. twittering among the ferns mm-hmm. and a little gnome walking mm-hmm. out to greet you. It's all like old growth. You're going next to a creek the whole time. Right. Um, and and I think one of the many beauties of the Oregon coast is how close the the woods, the forest is right next to the beach. Totally. So that you, and if you don't know what's at, I, the, I just... You know, it catches you by surprise. You're walking this old growth forest and suddenly, ah, mm-hmm. here's this this beautiful beach that's like this little cove. Yeah, I took Dimity there with um, her kids and my kids when Dim and her family were out here visiting in 2015. Yeah, 2015. Okay. And we just, our, her mind was blown. It's so beautiful there. And yeah. that cove, I mean, you, you, exactly. You, you come out of the forest and it's this beautiful, secluded Mm-hmm. perfect little cove the surfing is amazing there it's a really mm. sandy bottom so it's like oh. there's a little something for everyone there uh-huh. um and i just i just love it uh yeah my other happy place is the 24-hour hot cake house on powell here in portland <laughs> the exact opposite of <laughs> the hot 24-hour hot cake house yes oh uh-huh. right there you, ross island bridge and powell i don't right know that cross. part of portland very well at all well it used to be down near where packeting was where we used to record mm-hmm. not too right. far from there yeah yeah mm-hmm. really close to there uh-huh. uh that's my other happy place oh and then because the... you like the hotcakes no i know <laughs> i've actually never gotten pancakes there now that i think about it <laughs> what do you the hash do you brown. drink oh, the hash browns no <laughs> i go there for the hash it's the food isn't great it's not the lot it's 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 more the vibe there oh. and it's Every single type of person goes there. Oh, it's amazing. That's nice. Yeah, it's like a DMV, but a restaurant. <laughs> so like, a ton of people go there. Uh, it's open twenty four hours a day. So like, I've been there literally at every hour of the day. I think at some point over my life, and every time of the day, it's there's a whole different crowd in there, and it's just wonderful place. And I, it's massive breakfast portions. Like my favorite meal of the day, in huge in a huge way. Oh my gosh! I've now written that down as the one quote from this. It's like the DMV, but a restaurant. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> correct. And it's weird to say that's my happy place, but it's one of them. And then, uh, of course, the Oaks Park skating rink. I have to throw. I have to shout that out as well. Of course, yeah. You do need to share Oaks share for a moment about your love of your devotion to uh, skating four on the floor. Wow, we're really doing a long intro to this yeah. setup. <laughs> well, so it happened actually. This I guess this sort of has to deal with with. A running injury, essentially, because mm-hmm. I um I had a really bad ankle sprain playing basketball. Right, right. And I used to, I used to be getting ankle sprains fairly regularly playing mm-hmm. basketball. Maybe one a year, mm-hmm. like a pretty good one, you know. Um, only a couple times I've had to go on crutches, but this one was like a crutch one. And and over the recovery of it, I I had sort of done some swimming, and mm-hmm. it was hard to really get in the rhythm of swimming. Just the logistics to go do it. I know you've you've mm-hmm. been able to like incorporate in your life into your life really well, but I didn't have as easy of a time. But I started roller skating around that time, and I, like I went with a friend one time. And on Tuesday nights here in Portland, there's like adult rhythm skate, which is like a DJ comes in. It's super fun. There's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Again, it's much like the hot cake house in that it's just this incredibly diverse group of people. Yeah, it's a real cross section. You would never. They would never gather for any other reason but for this skate night. And I was like, I was just so enchanted by it. I'm just like, this this is incredible here. But what ended up actually happening was it became just great rehab for my ankle oh. because you're you're always skating in the circle and I'm so you're you're constantly turning left. And mm-hmm. it was my left ankle was my oh. bad one. Mm-hmm. So I'm spending two hours, you know, uh, at a time basically just moving my 
ankle like laterally back and forth mm. and putting weight on it in these different ways but it's also very low impact the mm. roller skating because sure. you're, you're just gliding but i'm i was you're always flexing your ankles you're always moving and i haven't sprained my ankle since i started wow. roller skating wow and it became this like amazing rehab and so my love of it was already there and then it was like oh there's a lot of health benefits and then you see a lot of like older people skating there still and beautiful mm-hmm. skaters they move just so beautifully and i was like this is something i could I can't play basketball when I'm 60, but I could probably roller skate. So it's like how people, um, forgetting what they, not a lifelong sport, but, um, you know, like the way people say, Oh, I could play golf for the rest of my life, sure. you know? Right. So, right. Yeah. A lot of tennis is kind of the same way. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's the impact's pretty low. Um, so I don't know, maybe at the Portland retreat, we get a crew that wants to go skating. I'll go take them. <laughs> oh, when you were talking, I thought, Oh my goodness. <laughs> I now envision a side it's, trip on the Portland retreat. And, and I mean, it's, it's one of the most, a tour of Alex's happy places. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> We'll go to the hot cake house afterwards because it'll be open. I promise. <laughs> 24 hours. And uh, anyway, the, yeah. the pla- that place is it's like the oldest. It's the oldest continuously operating uh, rink in the nation now. Wow. Um, opened in 1921 and I hasn't mean, hasn't been closed since. That's fantastic. And that Oaks Park is a very charming. It's old timey amusement yeah. park. Yeah. Yep. There's yeah. all my happy places. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I, I bet you wouldn't have asked me if you don't. I talked for 19 <laughs> sure, minutes about sure it. Sure, I would. <laughs> all right. Well, here is Dr. Justin Ross talking about the same topic. I was intrigued that, you know, it definitely doesn't have to be a literal place. You know, it isn't, you know, Wildwood Trail from mile 20 to 22 or Kleinline Pond in Vancouver, Washington. You know, it, right. can, it can be a mindset. It can be, um, you know, uh, who you run with. It could, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, I think um, when I think about it, I think you can break happy place down to being uh, an internal happy place mm-hmm. or an external happy place. And there being variables for both. Right. Mm-hmm. I think on on the internal side, it's really there's on one level some connection to yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And whether that's just that it feels really good to move. I really appreciate um, the ability to get out there and to feel my body in space. There's some connection to self or stress reduction, whatever that may be. But there's also for me, I, I find a lot of personal connection just to, to effort level, mm-hmm. knowing that that can be that's a, a, a variable that you can play with. Some days you can take it nice and easy and that feels really good. Some days when it's uncomfortable, you have a decision to make whether you push it. Um, and kind of lean into that discomfort or not. And when you come out on the other side of that, it's that connection to pushing through hard effort that um, I think is really rewarding in the sport. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then we have to ask, what's your athletic happy place, Justin? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. I think on the on the internal side, it's definitely those those harder effort days where um, where I know I need to like show up and, and do the work, knowing that it's not easy, but I always feel better on the backside of that. Right. And it's like, I think about, you know, like, um, Elliot Kipchoge this weekend mm-hmm. who, who broke the world marathon record, uh, world record. And that just, it shows you what you're capable of mm-hmm. and that connection to, um, to being anti-fragile, right? Like mm-hmm. you are strong and you are capable. And these are the moments in our lives where we get to really chase that down and figure that out. Nice. Well, which kind of leads into my next question, which is, you know, why is it useful to have an athletic happy place? I mean, if it's an actual physical place, is there a benefit for working out there? You know, if, if you're struggling a little bit or feeling burned out, um, are there restorative powers to, to having sort of a 
happy slash safe place? For, for sure. I mean, I think the first thing that comes to mind is like a, adulting sucks sometimes, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's hard and it's messy and it's not always that glamorous or that much fun. And so I, I think having something in our lives that connects us to a happy place is just, it's foundationally important to our well-being and to our relationships. Um, and for athletes, you know, for runners, th- this is where we connect to that. Um, and that could be an internal place or, or like you're saying, Amanda, I think there's external happy places as well. And that for me, you can slice that into either being sort of a location, you know, like a physical place, probably not the treadmill, although I want to weigh in on that Twitter conversation, <laughs> but, um, but there's a, there's location for all of us where we feel really connected. I think that's really important. And the other piece is community, mm-hmm. right. To certain, and that could be either, you know, thinking about, um, uh, you know, like Sarah, you're talking about your dad, like connection mm-hmm. to people in the past or mm-hmm. community now, friends, family, running groups, people that we connect to. I think mm-hmm. those are really important factors as well. Okay. Back to professional runners. This is episode 329, a conversation with two-time Olympian Kara Goucher. Dimity and I had the good fortune to have a party with her in, oh gosh, now I'm forgetting the name of the town in Colorado, but it was very fun. So, and it was at a brew pub Um, after the publication of Kara's book, Strong. And thanks to a great question from Dimity, Kara confesses to being, quote, very emotional and admits she previously viewed that attribute as a weakness. So it was really great to hear a pro runner talk about the importance of being vulnerable and putting it all out on the line when going for a goal. Well, and the other thing that I just want to um, compliment you on, and I this again sounds a little weird, but I mean, I was doing just a little research on the Kara Goucher last night, and I was on YouTube and and looking at um, reading an article about you um, in the Duluth News, and also um, when you were talking about um, finishing fourth uh, at the um, last Olympic trials, and you were very emotional, and I mean that in a good way. I feel like sometimes it's so, because you see these athletes that are just like, yeah, whatever, you know, and you really said, you know, I'm disappointed, but I gave it everything I could, and I just think, you know, for us, again, us mere mortals who are like, oh, I don't know if I can eke out a sub two-hour half marathon today. I don't know if I have it in me. To know that you fight that hard and you care that much is just... Um, it's just really heartening and really cool to see. So I just, I just want to applaud you for being human and real. Thank you. I mean, I am, oh, well, thanks. I am very emotional and I used to see that as a weakness and I used to try to hide it. And honestly, at the Boston Marathon in 2009 at the finish line, I just started crying and everyone around me was like, button it up, button it up, you know, get into the tent. And I just, I couldn't. And, um, it was kind of a game changer for me. Like there was a lot of like, oh, she's a cry baby. But then I was like, yeah, I am. Yep. (laughs) Put my heart on the line, work my ass off, tried to deliver for thousands of people and it didn't happen. And you know what? I'm sad. And you know, like I think that if you really want to accomplish what you want to accomplish, you have to be willing to be vulnerable. And whether you achieve those goals or not, you still feel it. And so I am a cry baby. (laughs) So this next episode is episode 342, and it's becoming a runner in different decades. That was the topic, and my co-host was Amanda Loudon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like this this one a lot. Oh, good. Yeah. I just really love when we bring on, quote, regular mother runners, regular women runners to talk about kind of um, 
When you say um, regular, you mean like not Olympic athletes. Correct. Yeah, yeah okay. not professional <laughs> athletes. Yes. And so just to look into their lives on kind of a um, kind of an amorphous topic for, I can't think of a word, uh, squishy is the first word that came to my mind for a topic. So just um, kind of having something to hang a couple runners together and have them be able to talk about it. And so you hear my co-host Amanda asking if she's experienced, if this guest um, has experienced pushback at starting to run in her 50s. And the guest, Donna Lehman, she's from New Hampshire. She first gets us laughing good. Then in the course of a two-man response, she touches on so hmm. many touchstone points in the Another Mother Runner world, such as the appearance of a runner, the importance of a supportive spouse, running for sanity, and so much more. I just felt like it pretty much just sums it up right there. So um, here is Amanda and Donna. Well, so Donna, um, starting in your 50s, um, did you feel any kind of like a barrier to entry or did you get any pushback from friends or colleagues or anything like that? So a lot of people, yeah, I want to say yes, and then heck yeah, because <laughs> because also like, I don't really look like your little runner. Like I am not, I'm, I'm short, but I'm not really petite. And even with some weight off of me, you know, I'm just kind of, it gathers in places. And when you're 50, it gathers in different places than when you're 30. So, <laughs> sure does. you know, yep. that happens. the gang is all here, here, and here. So <laughs> I, I, I just... I, think, I just love um, you, Donna. I just love you. I just have to interject that. <laughs> I, know. I know. Well, thank you. And it's mutual. I would say, though, that um, that the piece of it, that a lot of people would say, oh, what are you training for? And so at that point, it was a 5K. So it was like a big deal to run a mile or two. But then as I, I did um, that, and then my friend Victoria wanted to do a half marathon that next August. And that was kind of scary for me. But then when people find out that you're training for that, um, you know, that they're kind of like, wow, do you know how long that is? Yes, yes, <laughs> I do. And now, you know, now I get the same reaction. People will be like, oh, what kind of race are you running? A 5K? No, it's a uh. half marathon. Well, do you know how long that is? Yes, I have done one. <laughs> As a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> and it's ugly and it's, it's hard, but it's a good, it's a good hard. So I, I think, but mostly at that point, people felt like they were proud of me. My husband has always been awesome and very proud of me. Mm -hmm. And even though I know that sometimes running has taken away time, energy, money from, you know, kind of other things, he's never said anything. Also, he likes me sane. So, <laughs> you know, we've got that because he, he sees that value. Um, I think in the fam my family, i not really pushback, but just people sometimes are surprised or they'll say, well, I could never do that. And I will say, yes, because if I'm doing it, you could. Okay. This, this next one is um, probably going to bring a tear to some people's eyes. It is another in-person conversation that we are fortunate to have and particularly fortunate. It's episode three, 333. And it is with Gabe Gruenwald, pro runner and rare cancer survivor, um, we got to talk to her the October before she passed. And, um, in this episode, Dimity harkens back to the Kara interview, which had, um, we had a real streak of, we had Shalane, Dina, Kara, and Gabe on in the course of two months. It was just kind of banner AMR. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. was, that was the, um, the green and salad days as my parents would say. Uh, so, um, and um, all our recording parties with in-person guests are special, but this one was especially so. 
Um, Gabe passed away about eight months after we recorded this episode at the Twin Cities Marathon. The Gabe, a Minnesota native, talks food with fellow Minnesotan Dimity, plus details on how she, Gabe, came to running. Yeah, we are super excited to have a Minnesota native, um, and we had Kara Goucher on a live podcast a couple weeks ago, who's also a Minnesota native, and she was talking about how sometimes she feels like she doesn't belong um, in the in that running world because she's like, you know, I ate spam for more, before races and like goulash before races. That's not what big races do. So we got to know, do you have a little Minnesota flavor to your pre-race meals? Oh gosh, nothing quite that intense. I don't know. I don't think that there's a Minnesota flavor no. to my pre-race routines, yeah. but okay. I do love a good hot dish. So that's what I can contribute. Carrie to. used that term, but while Dimity was talking, I'm like, she used that word that means like casserole, but I don't know the slang for yeah. it. <laughs> yes. All I right, do so love a good tater tot hot dish. A good tater tot yeah. hot dish. So yeah. you, <laughs> that deserves a round of applause. Um, okay, so um, tell us about how you got started in running. Were you running, you know, I saw a picture of you on your Instagram in the pumpkin patch. Did you run through the Minnesota pumpkin patches? Like, where, where did you start running, Gabe? I started running, um, I tried a lot of different sports growing up. I grew up in a small town in Lakes Country in Minnesota called Perm, and I did a lot of different sports. I was always running around to some different activity. I have a, a, quite a few siblings, and everyone played basketball growing up, so I, I did that all through high school. But Wait, I, how, how many is quite a few? I have four. Okay. Yeah. And so, a set of twins in there, right? Yep, yeah, a set of twins at the end there. So, yes. Um, so, lots of activities always going on, and so... Um, but running wasn't, my parents weren't runners. They, my dad was the one who was usually encouraging us to get out there and try new things. So I tried golf. I tried volleyball. I can't think of, there's not too many sports I didn't attempt. We weren't, uh, we didn't have like soccer or hockey really in our town, which is a little strange. The hockey part is probably strange because you would have just had to travel to be able to do that. So I stuck with things that were available nearby, but I basically just happened upon running because a friend of mine was going to cross country practice and sounded like fun to me. That's the kind of kid that I was. I just wanted to like have fun and, you know, hang out with my friends. And I, I loved it though, from the very beginning, I think cross country was definitely the, that was the first, um, you know, I ended up being, becoming a more of a track runner, but cross country was definitely my first, first love with running. Well, and you made the varsity as a seventh grader, correct? I think eighth actually. Oh, okay. So I wasn't quite, yeah. I mean, Carrie and Kara were like winning state titles in seventh grade. I was like, it took me till like eighth grade and. (laughs) (laughs) Still behind the curve. No, I wasn't even winning state titles. I was just, you know, trying to run varsity. So I wasn't quite at that level, but I had a great time and uh, yeah. I had a great high school career, but not not as storied as some others in Minnesota history. Mm. The, the typical Midwestern modesty. That's what I see you showcasing. <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This final one, we again have a male guest, somewhat of a rarity on this show. It's episode 386. We're taking over. <laughs> <laughs> We're finally getting some shine here. Um, it's episode 386, um, born to run author, Chris McDougall talking about his new book running with Sherman. Chris, um, was on way early days, probably the first, I don't know, definitely within the first hundred episodes he was talking about born to run. But so this was, um, talking about his new book running with Sherman and boy, this is, I wanted to end on some hearty laughs and, um, the book is about his family adopting a burrow and, uh, Chris embarking on running and racing with it. 
And so, as I said, um, so my co-host is Molly. Of course, if there's going to be a lot of laughs, it's Molly as the co-host. And Molly and I usually talk over an episode a little bit on the run that we do beforehand, but not this time. And so (laughs) Molly, without telling me, sprung a PG-13 joke for the first time on air. And then (laughs) she did something which I adore, which is to... (laughs) Um, to repeat a joke just countless times. Um, was that, I was going to say she she beat that joke like a mule, but joke, like yeah, all it the was time? Mm-hmm, yeah. yes, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. So she repeated that joke countless times in the episode, slightly to my chagrin. But then I got her back at the end. <laughs> you can't bully a donkey into doing something it doesn't think it's safe. But once no, you have smart. the donkey, yeah. But once you have the donkey's confidence, then you know you're good to go. You got a, you got a teammate. Hmm, good. So, uh, Chris, let me ask you about your ass. <laughs> I've, been, I've been saving that one up all day. <laughs> I'll ask you some questions. <laughs> Keep going. Come on. I'm How is your ass? Is it a big ass? <laughs> is it nice and muscular? <laughs> okay. I'll stop. Uh, I don't want to brag, but I think I've got the cutest ass around. <laughs> that's what i heard yeah all right so a lot of these events people show up with donkeys so tonight i'm in salt lake city and there's supposed to be a donkey tonight i was in washington missouri there was ace the donkey there's 15 yesterday in berkeley park so uh-huh. uh, it's kind of funny i've become this like mag- magnet for for random urban donkeys that Chris, he's such an ass magnet. <laughs> there you go. I, I had to get in one joke. You know, right. Sarah, you, you waited your time and bam, you landed the killer. <laughs> she did. So um, I did want to say, Alex, I, I was mentioning to you before we got on air that this month we are on target to just blast our download numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just thrilled about it. I went on to our megaphone, our platform that hosts this show and where I can see the number of downloads. And this was a couple days ago and already we had surpassed our highest month ever. And so then the fact that this episode drops on a Friday, so we get that big boost of all those downloads. So I'm just really excited. We're going to be, really be breaking excited. some new records. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, well, I mean, th- you know, you add a new show. You're gonna, yes, I know that. that. Yeah, that does help. That does help. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, I just also think it's people telling their friends about it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. So, um, all Can right. Can I plug my show that's similarly having growth? Yes, yes. I mean, it's a po- I have to, yes. podcast renaissance, yes. This is when you have <laughs> – so I also am the – I'm the host of a show. If you want something completely non-running related mm-hmm. and if you love the TV show The Office, mm-hmm. which I know a lot of you out there do. Yes, or at least their preteen and teen children do. They love The Office. Everyone yes. loves The Office. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I have a podcast called The Michael Scott Podcast Company. <laughs> which is a reference to the Michael Scott paper company from the office. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, check that out. If you like, it's, it's me and, and two friends and we basically uh, pick a topic about the office and do deep dives on it and mm-hmm. just replace running with the office. And that's the show that we do. So <laughs> uh, hopefully you'll like it. Yeah. I'm thinking now I'm going to need to listen to it. Give it a try. You yeah. know, we are, are, we just had our 50th episode come out. I know. Uh, Congratulations. Today. Thank you. Oh, yeah. And we It's drafted a weekly? Weekly or bi-weekly? Weekly. Wow. That's a big commitment. We commit we've we've committed to it and mm-hmm. it, it, I mean what happened what happened is this podcast Office Ladies came out. Oh. Which mm. is done by the actresses who play Pam and Angela. Oh. oh. And they basically t- 
they're going episode by episode through the whole show and talking about like what it was like on set and like, oh, uh-huh. talking about their lives and the show. Um, our show is actually way different than theirs because <laughs> we're just talking about the show, whereas they talk about the life of like doing the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but once that show came out, it was like this massive wave that we oh. just happened to be paddling a surfboard at that time. <laughs> and we're like, let's go. And so we, We're definitely riding on the coattails, but it, uh, a lot of people found our show. So. Uh-huh. Anyway, I've, I've never plugged it on this show, but I figured, hey. Yeah, yeah. Your new big audience. Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. So, and I do want to put in a plug to, for people to please help us grow our audience even yes. further yes. so that we can continue and heck record 400 more episodes. So, please tell your friends to listen to our show and subscribe to the Another Mother Runner podcast so the show automatically downloads mm-hmm. wherever you get podcasts. That's an important, it's a setting to have make podcasts that you follow automatically download so please do that because it's the downloads that count so and truly thank you we could not have arrived at this milestone without you mm-hmm. so or you sarah oh, or dimity oh yes yes um so and speaking of her this here's dimity talking about the final mother runner of the month and um so uh, her name is Stacy Grande. No relation to Ariana. We I asked. <laughs> hey everybody, it's Dimity here with our Mother Runner of the Month. I am thrilled to talk to Stacy Grande, as in Ariana Grande, or I'll have a Grande <laughs> latte. Uh, she lives in Blackwood, New Jersey, with her um, husband and her 16-year-old daughter. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Good. Thanks for selecting me for the, the winner for the month. I'm so excited. Well, you had Shauna. Is that how you say your name? It's is it Shana. Shana. Yeah. Shana. She responds to anything, but yes. Shana. Yes. Okay. Well, so she is a high school classmate of yours and she nominated you, huh? So tell me about your athletic relationship. Yeah. Shana and I, um, you know, we went to high school together, but we went to a very large high school. So we actually didn't end up meeting um, until uh, the summer that we graduated. So that's how big our class was. Um, And so Shana and I, um, we, you know, we've been friends ever since. Um, You know, she's, she's a full-time working attorney, mama too, wife. um, And she's got a busy schedule. I've got a busy schedule. So unfortunately we don't have have the opportunity to work out or run together often but what we have become over the years are virtual accountability partners of course we still get together all the time we brunch um but we really are virtual accountability partners for each other we're always checking in um with each other successes um some of the struggles that we have um she's an amazing friend uh, everybody needs a Shayna. Um, as I always say, I'm very, very lucky to have her. Um, but we did put on our goal. Our goal for 2020 is definitely to um, run races together. Um, so we plan to do that this year. Sweet, sweet. Well, speaking of races, you, she, when, sh- when Shanna, um, Shana, gosh, I'm sorry. Uh, when Shana uh, g- gave your nomination, what stuck out to me is that you are very methodical about your races. You started, you did 16 races in 2016, 17 in 2017, 18 in 2018. Were those mostly, like, tell me about the distances. Were they, um, I know your first marathon was dopey, and we're going to talk about that in a second, but like, were they kind of 5K to half marathon, 5K, 10K? Like, where where were they? Yeah, it was uh, all over the gamut between 5K and half marathon. So um, okay. everything in between. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, and what in your answer is you tell me that you, um, I was asking you how you plan them and you said, well, I don't do races in certain months, which you, you named six months that you don't do them. <laughs> right. <laughs> so January to March, July and August and December, she said, you don't really race. So you have six months to do, you know, mm -hmm. between eight and nine races. I mean, so you're doubling up quite a bit, yeah. huh? Doubling up. I like those challenges, the ones that, you know, are back to back on consecutive days, um, Saturdays and Sundays. Um, I love to run Disney. They offer, you know, races, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So that's where I got a large volume of them in. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest with you. I started this goal because I was, I was a medal collector. I was collecting my medals and I wasn't <laughs> really focused on pace or anything like that. Um, it was really to, to, you know, and that's how I got started. But then over the last couple of years, I started to take it a little bit more seriously. I wanted to improve my pace, improve my endurance, strength train. And that's kind of where we are now. But uh, yeah, definitely doubling up. Um, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's no shame in being a metal collector. I mean, um, I think that's great. I love that you called yourself that too. I was like, what, what is she talking about? Um, uh, well, because you, in 2019, I mean, you talk about how your perspective has shifted mm -hmm. um, and you're definitely more intrinsically, meaning motivated from the inside instead of by medals or necessarily races or finish lines. Um, so as we said, um, you ran, you ran Dopey at the beginning of 2019 and that kind of kicked off a year for you of consistency and some inner resilience, um, especially because it was on the heels of your father's death correct? Yeah, correct. My dad passed December 26th of 18. Um, and so that obviously bleeds into the new year. Um, and I had a decision to make after his, uh, his, his passing was, was I going to still show up for dopey or was I going to pause and pick it up, you know, and try again uh, the following year. And, and, you know, he fell ill in the middle of my training, which really came That's to a very rough. abrupt halt. And uh, I never got past 18 miles in my training. So I, sh I, I decided that I was going to give it a go. I'm hearing my dad in the back saying, you've already paid for it. You know, <laughs> just, just show up. Don't waste your money. So I showed up and um, I feel, you know, ill-trained and uh, got through it with a girlfriend that um, was kind enough to let me stay with her and family. Um, so we really uh, got through it together. Um, and I think what was important for me was I kicked off 19 um, having done something that was really physically hard, but also emotionally hard too. And so I felt like, hey, I can do hard things in 2019. So I'm going to roll with it. Um, rather than, you know, just uh, wallowing, I, I decided that I was going to increase my daily mileage, um, start, start to be a healthier runner too. I was, I, I was coming off of a stress reaction. Um, so I needed to strength train and that's, that's where I am now. So, um, getting up early, getting these workouts in, getting my runs in. Um, but yeah, all of this was because, um, you know, just that set the tone. Completing Dopey set the tone for yeah. the year. That's great. Well, um, two things. First of all, you said, um, about this year. So in 2019, instead of running 19 races, you decided to try to run over a thousand cumulative miles, which you did. So congratulations. That's Thank great. You. Um, and you said, you know, I now get up between four and five in the morning every day to work out. Um, something I told myself I could never do. I cannot tell you what this has done for my mental health. Can you um, just explain that a little bit? Is it the morning time or is it getting the workout done or is it a combination or what's, what, what's the benefit? Uh, 
Yeah, the benefit there is, I think, really how I show up for the whole rest of the day. Um, I get, I, like I said, I get up between four and five. I usually take a, uh, you know, an orange theory class. Um, and then that really just sets the tone for my day. So I'm showing up for work. I'm in a great mood because I just burned between 500 and 600 calories. I probably got two to three miles in. Um, and so I'm, I'm a more productive person at work. Um, I also don't have this sort of workout looming over my head for the rest of the day. And I'll back switched. up. I used to be a night out runner. I used to come home from work. I used to, you know, run and then I was eating super late. So it was just throwing everything off. And then now I'm up to 1am. So all of this has just caused me to get more sleep, to approach my day in a better way. So it's really, and I just, you know, I feel like the stress kind of just kind of floated away in 2019, which was again, surprising considering you know, I had just lost my dad. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Well, and we should say you, you, you are married now, but um, the bulk of your running career has been as a single mom. So mm -hmm. you were running late because like, did you go to the gym late or did you have a treadmill at home or how did that work? Uh, yeah, I went to, uh, I was blessed with uh, parents that really helped me and supported oh, me. Good. So um, I, I lived at home for a lot of that before I met my husband. And so, yeah, I was a 24 hour gym and I would go between 10 and 11 o'clock at night and I would, you know, run anywhere between five and eight miles. And then I'd be up till two o'clock in the morning because I couldn't sleep. So sure. <laughs> it was tough. And, you know, I've, I've worked full time since, uh, since I've been 22 and I'm 39 now. So a lot of that has been as a single mom. Um, and even now, my husband works 24-hour shifts. So uh, it, 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 it's, uh, I'm not a single mom now, but I do have to find time in my day to, you know, to fit it all in. Sure. Yeah. You definitely have still have slices of that feeling. For yeah. Sure, I imagine. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, so the one, and we'll end on a note. Um, and you said, this isn't your mantra, but you love it. Um, <laughs> you, it's called do it anyway. Um, or you, the, the phrase is yeah. do it anyway. You said Dave Hollis said it on Instagram story once and it stuck with me. You're tired, not motivated and telling yourself every other excuse you can think of because you mm -hmm. don't want to run or work out. Stop yeah. with excuses and just go do it anyway. Um, I mean, you've kind of explained it there, but um, I mean, how often do you tell that to yourself? Uh, at almost every day when that alarm goes off at like four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. It's actually uh, one of my alarms is labeled do it anyway. Oh, I love um, it. Yeah. So, and, and it really just kind of says it all. I told myself excuses for years. You will, you, you can't wake up at four because that's a whole lifestyle change or, you know, you won't be able to run a half marathon under two hours or just, just. So I've been telling myself, just do it anyway. I don't feel like getting up and, and working out for 60 minutes before work, but do it anyway. Um, it only, you know, and, and that's the, the struggle is getting in the car and, and, you know, and getting out of the car, walking into the gym. That's the hardest part. And then once you get there, it's like, you know, only takes a few minutes to get sure. into the groove. So do it anyway. He said it and I'm like, yes, that's it. Just that's a good one. I did. Let I, go of the it's so simple it. too, right? Yeah. It so is. Simple. It is. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Well, you are a bundle of energy. We wish you all the best. You and, and Shanna. Shanna. But again, she's, she'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to listen to me like, oh my God. <laughs> and especially my name, you know, I get Dimitri and you know, all this stuff all the time. So anyway, I wish you guys the best in 2020. I hope you get that run in together and, um, and just keep going, keep, 
keep your groove because you people like you um, inspire the rest of us. Thank you so much. And thank you for your podcast. I've been enjoying it. Shane has been enjoying it. And um, we appreciate you and the inspiration and, and the platform that you're giving um, us mother runners. So Sweet. thank you. Sweet. Take care. Thank you very Thanks. much. Stacey. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And then when Dimity and I are at Rancho La Puerta, we're going to be doing a Facebook live in which we choose the mother runner of the month who wins a registration to our Portland retreat this October, mm. the one that you will be at and that now we might be traveling to <laughs> the skating rink. Oh gosh, this is getting out of hand. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so anyway, be, uh, follow, make sure that you like the Another Mother Runner Facebook page and then be on the lookout for that. It'll be the week of, um, it'll either be Monday the um, 10th or Tuesday the 11th, but I think it's Monday the 10th that that's going to be on there. So, all right. So, as I said, our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Thank you for being on this, Alex. Oh, my pleasure. Yes. And uh, many happy miles. 